Welcome back. My name is Chris Gosling from Australian Fund Monitors. We're going to continue our series on reporting season, which has just ended. And today we're talking to Graham Carson from Cyan Investment Management. Graham's fund specifically looks at the small cap sector. So it'll give us a slightly different view on the reporting that is generally done on the big end of the market. Graham, welcome. Thanks for having me, Chris. So let's get straight to it. You've just finished reporting season. It's been a pretty bumper reporting season, not only here, but in the US for their second quarter reporting. Uh, the large uh, cap and big cap end of the market did pretty well with some significant results, but also significant uh, amounts of cash being handed back to investors. What was it like at the small cap end of the market? All in all, a similar theme, I think, Chris. It was broadly a, a positive reporting season, in our opinion. I think there was a few reasons for that. Firstly, a lot of the small companies um, went into fiscal year 21 quite well capitalised. A lot of pain had been taken in that March to June period of 2020 when COVID first set in, um, and those companies raised capital, um, strengthened their balance sheets in preparation of what, what proved to be a challenging year, um, but in the end, um, you know, a reasonably profitable one. Uh, we also saw a lot of corporate activity throughout the year, so mergers and acquisitions played a role. And of course, at the small end, a lot of companies released quarterly cash flow statements. So all that resulted in a situation where investors were quite well informed. Communication from the companies to those investors had been high. I think that resulted in, in fewer surprises than perhaps we've seen in the past. Um, and from an earnings performance, uh, at the numbers end, around about 30% of companies at the smaller end exceeded expectations and only 10 to 12% on our calculations missed. Now that missed number can often be as high as 20% or even above. So I think that you know, comes down to the fact that not really many surprises in there um, and, and well-capitalised, well-funded businesses executing on their plans. Uh, so does the market accept that companies generally had exceeded their expectations or their forecasts or, on the other hand, uh, fallen short? So were companies rewarded for exceeding? Yeah, interestingly... Um, look, the price movements on the back of results generally was slightly skewed to the positive. I think it was about 55-45. Um, and a lot of that comes down, as it does every season, um, to guidance. Um, very, very difficult environment at the moment. Um, in fact, only 16% of companies provided quantitative guidance, um, and normally that would be comfortably above 20%, even up to 30%. So the uncertainty around the, the broader environment has played a big part in that, which often, and, and, and those statements often provide the, the share price direction going forward. So it was probably a little bit dampened because you didn't see such a strong commitment, understandably, uh, from management. So that, that reduced the volatility overall as well. So in that management communication, let's get more broadly onto what's happening with COVID and lockdowns, certainly in New South Wales and Victoria and now the ACT. Uh, how much more difficult is it to stay in touch with your investee companies uh, compared with what it was? I mean, it's obviously more difficult and we have Zoom. I mean, we're talking on Zoom, but it's not quite the same as actually being able to do a company visit or really look CEOs and CFOs in the eye and, and sort of gauge their response. How are you finding that? I think like everyone, I'm, I'm pretty fatigued by the whole process, but 
it certainly does leave a bit of a hole in our, our investment and research process. In one way, there's an efficiency, particularly in reporting season, because you can you can go on a 45-minute Zoom call with, with many companies without walking up and down Collins Street or up and down Pitt Street. But um, you can't go out on site and you can't, as you said, look these people in the eye. You can't read body language. You can't get a taste for the culture of the business. Um, and it's hard to build rapport. So, I mean, that is a, is a big loss for us day to day. Fortunately, everyone's in the same boat, but I think we're all very much looking forward to, to, uh, to getting out and looking people in the eye again. And that probably goes across the rest of your research process, doesn't it, Graham? So I know in speaking to yourself and Dean in the past, you sort of specialise in speaking to company competitors and suppliers and the whole chain, the whole potential communication circle. That must be much more difficult as well. Look, it is. It's certainly, you have to narrow your focus a little bit. Um, it does rule out a, a few of the, op the options that we normally have, uh, and, and particularly in small caps because senior management and, and, and big competitors and, and people like that can really influence the outcome of these businesses. So building those relationships can be very important to get an understanding of the business. It does make it difficult, um, but that, I mean, that said, uh, I mean, we can still obviously speak to management. We probably speak to management more regularly because it is so easy to just organise a Zoom call rather than fly to Sydney and see them in the head office. Um, but it's probably not quite as effective. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Graeme, as far as the portfolio uh, goes and the composition of that, have there been major changes you've had to make as a result of COVID and lockdowns, for instance, the tourism sector and, and resources, hospitality? Look, it's been very interesting, um, to be honest, Chris. I think when COVID first hit, Everyone, when I say everyone, I mean professional investors, we're trying to use a very overword and pivot the portfolio into COVID tailwind stocks. Then we saw that obvious shift back into recovery stocks. And I think 18 months later, we find ourselves somewhere in the middle where you've got one eye on the lockdown and you've got one eye on the recovery. Um, and it's very difficult to have confidence. Um, the way we like to think about things more generally, though, is we look at, we're very much a growth focus at the smaller end of the market. So we do like to, to look through cycles. Um, so we don't buy cyclical stocks when we think they're in recovery mode. We buy growth stocks that over the next three, four, five years should deliver growth. Now, what we've actually found in our portfolio, and at any time we own between 25 and 30 companies, we've had a few companies that we've already liked that have been able to opportunistically capitalise on the current environment. Um, for example, City Chic Holdings, which is a, a, a women's retailer that we own, was previously a bricks and mortar business focused in Australia. They've now completely accelerated their growth internationally by buying um, companies that had been hurting during the COVID impact um, and switched to a more of an online model, which is a capital light model with international growth. So it's a very well-managed business that's found a complete new growth path um, and has been recognised for that by the market. Uh, another one along those lines would be Maggie Beer Holdings, um, a company that had struggled in the past. It was writing the ship operationally back to, back to profitability anyway. Um, and it was quite defensive in nature being more of a food focus, but it had acquired a business called Hampers and Gifts Australia, which is more of an online business and felt a real COVID tailwind. Now, as we've got one foot in both camps of lockdown and recovery, they've got both those um, strengths within the business that they can actually put together and one-on-one -on -one equals three in that environment. 
another example would be uh, Elsidian, one of our um, one of our preferred positions, which is a software business in the healthcare space, particularly hospitals. And this COVID impact has really accelerated the push by government towards a digitization of healthcare and specifically the hospital systems. So it's very well positioned here and overseas to be a long-term beneficiary of these structural changes that, that, that have taken place in reaction to the, the broader environment. So I think if you try and get too cute and pick one or the other, it gets difficult. Just find good businesses that are well capitalized to, uh, you know, to make the most of the existing situation. Graham, it's really interesting. It sounds like a case of, you know, where there's disruption, where there's change, there's also a lot of opportunity along with the threat. Look, absolutely, absolutely. And that's, I think, you've seen that with the acceleration of, of uh, M&A activity at the smaller end. You know, businesses that are publicly listed can um, very much benefit from, from capital to, to strengthen their market position when, when other companies that may not have that opportunity are, are really hurting. So, and the, the IPO market's pretty strong and we've, we've got a few pre-IPO positions coming to market that are, that are very well positioned, we think, in the next uh, two to three years. Graham, we'll look forward to hearing about those next time. In the meantime, stay safe. As always, really good to talk to you. Likewise. Thanks for your Thanks, time. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Thanks for having me.